Give me the map. Not a word. Carlos, I asked you for the map. Hey everybody, this is Brandon Ford and welcome to the Blind Rage Podcast. This time around we are watching Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. And I'm using the edition found in the Blu-ray box set, but if you want to watch along, I'm sure you'll have no problem finding a source. Before I get into the movie, I have to get the plugs out of the way. Please don't forget to check out my books in paperback and Kindle editions on Amazon.com or the Amazon app by typing in Brandon Ford. There you'll also find my Amazon author page. You can also check out my books in audiobook format by going to audible.com or the Audible app, typing in Brandon Ford. You'll find several of my titles there. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, feel free to email me directly at blindragepod81 at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Brandon Ford. If you don't already, you can follow me on Instagram at writerbrandonford. And I just signed up with Letterboxd, so if you want to follow me there, I am at Brandon Ford, all one word. Last but not least, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, especially rating, uh, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. It takes literally about two and a half seconds to hit the drop down, select a star rating, and submit. That's all you gotta do. And we'll, it's very simple, very quick, very easy, and helps out with the algorithms and gets the podcast a little more exposure. So if you would do me that, one teeny tiny little favor it would be most appreciated so yeah <clears throat> got that all out of the way guess it's time to get into the movie going to begin with three count as per usual so if you're watching along i hope you have your movie queued up because we are going to begin in three, two, one, play. Um, I love this opening title sequence. I've always loved it. Uh, I think it uh, is probably one of the best in the in the series the way the letters drop down slowly then quickly and then the colors invert i just think it's really really cool and i think as 
I'm not a big Goo Goo Dolls fan, but I think this song goes really well with it. Here it comes. It was very, I remember that it was very, very cool seeing that in theaters. I was 10 when this first came out. And I did see it in theaters in 3D. And it was the first. And yeah, it's the only movie that I've seen in theaters. In the theater, on the big screen, in 3D. I want to say something real quick. I'm going to get this out of the way. Um, on the Never Sleep Again documentary, uh, Sean Greenblatt, who is pictured or is seen here playing John in the window seat, said in the documentary that the woman seated next to him, the overweight woman, the uh, woman who says, don't be a pussy, was supposed to be played by Divine. Um, Divine had passed away before A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, was even, I think it was even in production. So I don't know what the hell he was talking about. Divine died in 19, early 1988. Like I said, this came out toward the end of 91. And one would think that there would be somebody, because this, they had a lot of people from New Line uh, working on the Never Sleep Again documentary, and Divine worked a, a lot with New Line. Hairspray was his last film, and that was a New Line film. John Waters worked a lot with New Line. Rachel Talalay worked on some of John's films. I think she worked on... Hairspray. Her right there. He said that was supposed to be divine. No, it wasn't. Um, yeah, you would think one would have said something. When fans really don't like this one very much, like I said many times before, I've always loved it. And the scene that's about to come up right now is a scene that fans always bitch and moan about. And that is the Wizard of Oz sequence when Freddy's on the broom saying, I'll get you my pretty and your little soul too. What the fuck is the big deal? It's fun. It's funny. This is a popcorn movie. This is not supposed to be a straightforward horror film. That stopped pretty much after the original. And... I think it's a it's a fun sequence. He's in a house that's falling from the sky, much like the Wizard of Oz. And does the house land? Yeah. And then he goes here. Praise Freddy. That's generally the scene that fans have the biggest 
issue, the biggest gripe with, because whenever I hear somebody bashing this movie, or whenever I hear this movie being bashed, that's the go-to moment. And I don't get it. I Like I said, I think it's fun. As is the, uh, the majority of this movie is fun. It's, it's like I said, it's a popcorn movie. And it was really, it was a lot of fun seeing it in theaters. I, I still remember seeing it. I remember the girl standing outside the theater handing out 3D glasses. I remember the promotional advert on the side stem for House Party 3, which is a new line film that was coming out soon. And I remember <clears throat> people in the theater putting the glasses on before the movie even started, even though it said, I believe on the other stem, do not do not put your 3D glasses on until Maggie does. And then I heard people, I would hear, I heard people saying, oh no, you're not supposed to put them on yet. Look at the glasses. It says, you don't put them on until Maggie does. Well, who's Maggie? Well, we gotta watch the movie to find out who Maggie is, doofus. People are so fucking stupid. I have to say I was a little disappointed because I did go in thinking that the entire movie was going to be in 3D. And it's only, what, like the last 10 minutes? But it's still pretty fun. And the only real, I think, standout effect in that whole 3D sequence are the dream demons when they, when they fly off the screen. Everything else... I mean, when you look at the movie on video, it's not like you think, here's Robert Shea. Wait a minute, this is fake laugh. I don't know what the hell that was. As I said in, I think, Elm Street 4, um, Bob Shea always found a way to put himself in the movies, and I think it's because he really wanted to be an actor. I think he really wanted to be a leading man, but he didn't have the looks or the talent because he couldn't even do these bit parts. He couldn't even play himself in New Nightmare. And I said, I said in, I think, part five that Freddy generally doesn't, well, no, he doesn't. He doesn't go after people outside of Springwood. So, if that is the big, you know, fuck, I just blanked on the perfect word, because I'm an idiot, and I do this all the time. But, if you have to be in Springwood in order for Freddy to get you, which, 
as all the films in the franchise have set up to lead you to believe, why don't you just leave? As Yvonne says to Alice in part five, she says, and then Alice says, you can't just run away from this guy. He finds you in your dreams. Well, apparently he doesn't find anybody in their dreams outside of Springwood. He doesn't even find anybody because he, because Freddy, uh, John is the last of the Elm Street kids. They're fond. They're fond of saying that. You know, everybody's always the last. But it, as then it turns out, there's more. But John is supposed to be the last, last. Because, and we know this because when we do go to Springwood and you see the town fair, there aren't any children. There's no children in the orphanage. So, there's Brecken Meyer. This is the first time, this was the first thing I've ever seen him in. And the second thing I saw him in was Clueless. And the first thing I remembered in Clueless when he showed up on screen was, oh, look, it's. It's, um, whatever the fuck his name is from Freddy's Dead. What's his house's name? You okay? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember because Leslie Dean's character is quite fond of sc screaming at everybody because she's very, very angry. Uh, with good reason but yeah as I was saying um, so Freddy doesn't have any victims Freddy doesn't have anybody to play with so he sends John right outside the uh, city lines of Springwood to go to the next town which is I don't know what but it's not the best the best area there's Leslie Dean. She's awesome. I think she should have been in more stuff. I really do. I really like her in this. I really like her in 976 Evil. I liked her in the Freddy's Nightmares episode that she was on. She's in a punk band, I think, now. So, yeah, there's all these... There's all these kids in this... Half what is this a halfway house? I guess shelter. It's a shelter. Ah, uh, I love Carlos. The scene in the van when the map ex extends is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. That scene is ADR right there when she's ain't, ain't getting on. You could tell. I love it how like they had to make sure that the audience knew that there wasn't something wrong with the film when Carlos takes the hearing aid out and you see Tracy, you know, still trying to provoke him saying, come on, come on. And then as soon as 
Breckemeyer, whatever his name is, puts his puts the hearing aid back in. The first thing you hear is street noise, the traffic on the street noise. So it's like that was the that was the uh, cue that the sound had resumed. So we're in the next town. I keep going. Oh fuck! We're in the next town. Nobody here is complaining about nightmares. Freddy isn't in anyone's dreams. They all have problems, but there's Yafit Kato, who's great as a doc. The only time Freddy... The only thing, the only time that Freddy gets here is when they bring him, really. A lot of this was cut. It was trimmed. And there are some... There are some indications of it, like this scene here when Maggie is looking at the the i think it's a painting of the dream demons and doc is explaining it to her and i guess the the painting is supposed to be in 3d because here right here when he calls her in he calls her to look after john she's holding the 3d glasses and she gives them back to doc but she she never puts them on you never see her wear them So, how she got them, you don't know. In the work print, there is a lot of ex a lot of extended scene. See, I like I like this here. I like this scene here with John because he is prone to outbursts and he's quite uh, irrational and temperamental. And that's because he hasn't slept in three days. I think he would be worse, but he's one of the he's one of the few examples of characters in Elm Street films. I have we have the exact same chair in our basement in my family's house for years. Um, I'm not waking up. But yeah, this is this is one of the only characters who really shows the effects of not sleeping, the irrational behavior, the anger, the outbursts, and the way he slammed the chair. You're you're not in a good mindset when you haven't slept, and a lot of the time, the characters in these movies who have been up for days at a time are able to function perfectly f fine. But yeah, as I was saying about the deleted scenes, I had a work print edition, but the quality was so, so shitty. And... I wonder who that was, because that wasn't one of the main, the main characters. But yeah, I had a really, really shitty work print. 
I'm sure you can find the deleted scenes on YouTube. I haven't looked, but I know some of the deleted scenes from the work print are in the TV version. And like I said, because they trimmed the movie for, I guess, a, a running time, they were they wanted a, a specific running time. Probably, I think this is around 90 minutes because they all gen generally are. They have some they have some flubs. They have some goofs, like the 3D glasses, like I just explained with Maggie and Doc. And then they have one of the biggest goofs, which is when John and Maggie set off on their trek to Springwood, you see um, I guess verses or lines from One Two Freddy's Coming For You uh, pretty much everywhere. And they're, they miss one. And I think it's I think it's Seven Eight Better Stay of Late. Think that's the one. But one, two, three, four, five, six, and nine, ten are all are all present. Nine, ten, I think, from what I remember, is the one where Freddy is uh, drawn in in chalk on the on the asphalt. There's a really big picture of him and it says 910 never sleep again and I'm, I'm wondering if that was an homage to part 4 with the little girl the little girl wait a minute this part with the, with the cop when he knocked the cop out the window and he says asshole his mouth doesn't move and you can tell it's 80 yard and I always notice that and I'm pretty sure I'm almost positive that when I looked at the work print he doesn't say anything so it, it kind of it's kind of like uh, if you look at the if you look at creep show in the Father's Day, a seg. Wait, not, not Father. Was it? No, not Father's Day. The crate, uh, with with Adrian Barbeau, when they're at the the party, and she says, uh, "Can't go playing Emily Vanderbell or Emily Van Buren, whoever that etiquette crotch is." When you look at her mouth, you can tell she's saying "cunt." And if you look at the work print edition, she does indeed say that whoever that etiquette cunt is. The movie got an R rating. I don't know why they couldn't let her say. I think it's funnier when she says whoever that etiquette cunt is. I think that... I think the scenes that were cut were probably to help the the pacing because this does move pretty quickly and see now we're already going back to Springwood so that was fast it doesn't it doesn't lag like 
the way I realized part five does. Another scene that I remember being trimmed pretty heavily is the scene is the scene when Maggie and Tracy go back to wherever I said go back to say at the exact same time that little girl did that was fucking weird and I swear it wasn't planned but yeah when they go back to wherever that that town was that 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 uh that town uh fucking there's a there's a scene where they're in the car and they're just maggie's just kind of staring out the window and she she runs her fingers along the steam on the window i wonder and i wonder if that was meant to be a reference or a callback to the scene in the beginning on the plane when john uh finds that coating on the window I still don't know exactly what that was supposed to be but yeah there there was for sure some dialogue between Maggie and Tracy before Maggie says whatever happened it wasn't your fault and gets out of the van straight back to the shelter. If you can handle that, do I have to call the police? Or do I have to call the police? Shoot my mother. I think, I don't know, but I think that the loss of all the kids kind of made people go crazy i think that's what this supposed to what this is supposed to be because you see every everybody in springwood is fucking nuts and including everybody who works at the fair the teacher the woman who works at the orphanage who's playing with her little imaginary orphans and the and these two I don't know what the hell that voice was. He was, he, that voice he was doing. You know what they bring him? I don't get that. He looks at the tower with the, the bell tower, which is ringing, and he says, "You see what you done did." What does that mean? What did they do? But he looks at it thoughtfully, like it it represented something. I think it would have made more sense if Roseanne started crying or something and he said, you see what you done did.
I needed a map? I can't get over the way those people were looking at us. And it was weird. For a while, when I had this on on video, I did watch. I did watch the end sequence with 3D glasses, even though it really didn't do anything. Because you know, you're such a high ho. Uh oh, fucking idiot. It's interestingly enough. Brecken Myers' character is lighting up, and my pothead neighbors are out cackling in the backyard again. I love his lips, the way his lips are puckered, the way he's, when he says, Would you like the map now? Carlos is fun. I didn't want him to die. Well, maybe not. Maybe I was wrong about the, the drawing on the on the asphalt because that's it right there. That's gotta be one too. It's so funny and adorable about Carlos is all he wants to do is sleep. He's like a little puppy. And he's all bundled up, all cute in the back with his um, coat as a blanket. And then he gets all excited when they get to Freddy's house and he gets to go to bed. favorite lines yeah well the map says we're fucked statue. I wonder who that was. When he slams the pointer down, you can hear the tip break off and bounce off the floor. I wonder if that was intentional. There it is. Freddy 
I don't get how he John was supposed to have taken the newspaper clipping from that from that particular scrapbook. Or maybe he was supposed to have been in this class. Fucking that's sick. I never thought of that. He said 1,494. Freddy came back to look for more. That 94, that's when New Nightmare came out. Freddy came back. It's a, the line, Freddy came back. And you think that this is supposed to be the last one. And it kind of is because Freddy's not really Freddy in New Nightmare. Nevertheless, Freddy does come back in 94. Freddy's dead is a prophecy. So I don't get whether this is supposed to be a dream or not, because if it wasn't, it doesn't really make a lot of sense with this. Whenever something supernatural happens outside of a dream, it really doesn't make any sense because... Freddy's powers and Freddy's entire existence is meant to be in dreams unless with part two there are extenuating circumstances like when he is possessing Jesse. Yeah. I'm not I'm not you know, an expert on whatever that was, Kung Fu, Karate, Mai Tai, Muay Thai, whatever. So I can't tell you if that was a good kick or not, but something tells me that it wasn't. Or an expert kick. I don't know why I still remember this, but I had the comic books of the innovative comic books of the Freddy's Dead. Um, the comic novelization, I guess. And, well, first of all, I'm, I don't remember the covers of all of them, but I remember the cover of, on the cover of one of them, it's Freddy in front of a TV playing a video game. It looks like he's playing Genesis. It doesn't, it's not, it's not taken from the movie. It's a, it's an original, it's an original image, but I don't know why, but I always remember in the comic book when um, 
I don't know why I can't remember Brecken Meyer's name. Spencer. Um, when Spencer says there's no heat, there's no plumbing. In in the movie, she says you'll survive. In the comic book, she says you'll live. I have no idea why I remember that. But either way, he does not. He does not live and he does not survive. This is kind. This kind of like harkens back to part three, when I would assume that this is where Carlos is originally from. He was kind. He kind of lived like in a slum type area, and it's like where Taryn used to hang out when she did drugs and alleys and stuff. I'm not. I'm really, really glad I can't watch this part. Although, this is bad, although it's not anywhere near as bad as the exploding ear or the scene in brain damage when whatever his name is keeps pulling the thing out of his ear and then his ear starts gushing blood. One thing I'm going to have to endure is the scene when Freddy runs his nails along a chalkboard, which is something that I'm surprised he didn't do like in the first one. But in the first one, they really weren't very creative with the kills. That didn't happen until part three. But running nails along a chalkboard is kind of as far as for something to for Freddy to do to torment someone is kind of a no-brainer but especially with someone who has a hearing problem because that's what Freddy does he uses all of your weaknesses against you so I'm surprised he doesn't do that with Spencer though. He just, uh, uh, Spencer, well, Spencer likes video games because you see him playing that Tiger video game, Tiger the brand. I used to have one of those Tiger video game things when I was a kid. It wasn't the same one. They had a bunch of them. It wasn't the same one that he had, but I had one of them. This is kind of sickening. I don't think I've ever seen him in anything else.
I wonder if he's actually hearing that whistling of the pin falling or if that was just done for effect. He noticed though when Freddy, you see Freddy extend his, his palm and the pins are all in his, in his palm. You hear them kind of jangling, but they're all, they're all, they're all, they're not moving. I wonder how they did this with the chalkboard. It was interesting. It's an interesting effect. That looks like Freddy was ADR'd there. His his voice sounds off. I think they should have. Well, no, they couldn't have. I was gonna say, but I think I think they could. They should have done some things. And like that you would recognize from from Nancy's bedroom like they like maybe they would have found the coffee pot or something or the coffee maker but Jesse lived in there after the fact so that wouldn't have made sense I just think that that's the first time that we see zombies in an Elm Street movie. She is in a ton of stuff. I can't remember her name. She's a she's a very very prolific character actress. Child. <laughs> of course. Who was it? We're not I know there that 
you know, this is the 20th century here, but we're living in modern times, even, you know, when this came out 30 years ago and coloring one's own hair is was commonplace but it always kind of bugged me that the little girl who was supposed to be maggie as a child had a lighter brown hair with kind of blondish highlights and maggie's hair is so dark it's almost black Another thing that I remember about the comic book was the parachute scene when Freddy goes grounded. In the comic book, he says, You're grounded, boy. I remember them saying something about in Never Sleep Again that they didn't think that Johnny Depp would was would be willing to do this, but he was only too happy. I do remember these this commercial when I was a kid with the partnership for a drug free America. This would have been a really cool scene in 3D, especially with the um, the colors and stuff bleeding out of the TV. That's that's not a thing. When you fall asleep, you don't disappear. Huh. I never thought about that before. In the rest of the movies, when people fall asleep, you can still wake them up. And when they die, you can still... You see, their, their corpses are where they fell asleep. The only one who they're able to find post-death, I think, is John. And I don't know what the hell they did with him because he was covered in holes. Great graphics. That looks so shitty.
I love that the gag with the power glove and that Robert Shea asked Nintendo if they could do it and they said no and he said I don't care I'm doing it anyway it's a fun gag and I think it's even more awesome that Nintendo never even sued This uh, Spencer bouncing up and down is very Super Mario Brothers. But I wonder if they could have sued because Freddy's Power Glove doesn't look anything like the shitty NES Power Glove. I mentioned, I mentioned in part three that I always wondered if, or I wondered if when John Saxon uh, enters the dream and he has like the, the, wait, he has like the uh, glitter or fucking whatever behind him as he, as he ascends or descends, whatever, Tracy enters the dream in almost the same way, right here. I told you I knew an easier way. Concentration, meditation, that's what Doc always says. This is incredible. Bam, splat. Pow, bam, splat. Sounds like a Batman episode. What the hell was she going to say? Spencer, don't. Spencer, don't. Don't fall down the stairs, Spencer. Oh, shit. I can't believe I forgot to mention this. But when I... This came out when I was spending a lot of time at my mom and pop video store because the, I was, I was friends. I wouldn't say, well, I wouldn't say I was friends. I was like 10, nine, 10 years old. So, you know, I used to like to hang out there a lot and they would sometimes give me free rentals just to get rid of me, like gone. But and they would let me behind the counter and watch movies and shit. I was such a nuisance. I don't know how. 
Well, one day one of them did snap out at me. Or well, she didn't snap at me, but she she snapped at me. Not too bad, but I did want to cry. But anyway, um I was there with a friend of mine or my friend Jason who I mentioned on this podcast a few times before and they had this was right this was after this was after the theatrical release of Freddy's Dead so it was it ha- and it was winter so it had to have been early 92 and there was this big cardboard box some uh, a parcel and it it's uh, I, I said to the girl the girl worked there was like what is what is this and i turned it around and it said freddy standy open immediately and i was like freddy what is what is this she's like you could have it i don't care and i was like are you kidding me and I was so excited that I actually kissed her on the cheek and I took it I took it home and it was we came to find a cardboard display meant to be used for in-store purposes or video store purposes and it was sent by New Line I guess and I didn't know how to put it together because like there was instructions and everything it was kind of it was kind of elaborate from what I remember and this is how Catholic I was I believe it was on a Sunday a Sunday and me and uh, Jason were talking about going to church because that's what we would do sometimes if we didn't have anything better to do. But we were we 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 were we, were, we would kind of laugh at people, and you know, I wouldn't say we were good Christian folk. We, you know, but anyway, she was my mother was like, because there was there was uh, I think five thirty uh, five thirty mass it was a half hour, so she's like go to go to mass and I'll put it together and it'll be all done by the time you get home. And because it looked so elaborate, I thought to myself, there's no way this is going to be all put together by the time I get home. And it was. And it was bigger than me. And it had the title uh, at the top. And it was kind of like a kind of like a doorway and in the center of it was the video the VHS box art for Freddy's Dead and there was an image of Freddy like hovering above it or standing above it and at the bottom were all the traditional credits that you would see on the movie poster and yeah it was a 3d that might have been what it said too it might have said freddy 3d standy but it was a 3d standy and it had a thing where you could 
flip it over and it either said coming soon or now available and I I remember being in another video store and they had it they had the same thing but there and I know because I had this thing in my bedroom theirs was I don't know how much smaller but it was a bit smaller than mine because my like I said mine was bigger than me so mine had to have been like six feet tall and this this other one that I saw wasn't that much smaller but it was probably about five five and a half feet high but nevertheless it was small it was small enough or smaller enough for me to notice it and so yeah I had this thing in my room I don't know I don't know how long when you're a kid you know you don't have those you don't have exactly the greatest perception of time because what you think feels like I remember a month feeling like fucking forever but it felt like a couple years it probably wasn't that long but I just remember it got to a point where because my mother was a nag and it wasn't in the way of anything it was in the it was in a corner of my bedroom so it wasn't in the way of anything you couldn't it wasn't like you were tripping over it or anything like that it just she just got it in her head that it was annoying her and she and it became a regular thing for her to pester me about getting rid of it and i kept saying no 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 and then one day she just went well i'm getting rid of it and i remember her just grabbing it and pulling it over her head and just like going down the stairs chucking it down the stairs and i was not too happy That's my sad Freddy Standy story. I wonder if you can find that Standy on eBay, and I wonder how much it would go for these days. I don't like this part. It's not a boy. It's not a boy. It's not a boy. Stupid. She finds the, all the adoption information pretty quickly. Anyway. 
I think they added this here to look like, or to make it look like some time had gone by. But it doesn't really seem like it. See, now she's got the adoption papers. Maggie, what are you doing? Who are you? Let me have that. I have to know. I don't know. I don't know who they were. They wouldn't tell me. She was like... <sighs> somewhere between... old that little girl looked she looked like about six somewhere between five and six and your your memory is is while it's not fully developed I remember you know I remember a lot of stuff from when I was five and six there's a theme from the original but speaking of memory, the actress who played that little girl was in Never Sleep Again. And she talks about watching the scene when Freddie kills her mother. And she says that he's bashing her head against that side of the house. And I thought I was crazy for a second. I remember saying to myself, no, I remember saying to somebody I knew who was also very much into the series, because I didn't go right back in and watch the movie again. I remember saying to some this person, I, I, can't, I, can't, I never noticed that he was bashing her head against the side of the house. I always thought he was choking her. And this person was like, yeah, he was choking her. She didn't know what the hell she was talking about. When you get a closer look at all the stuff that's in his workshop, it's pretty fucking gnarly. And there are like variations of the glove. Um, it's kind of trippy. And we are about to come up on Tracy's dream with her uh, sexually abusive father. Now, Freddie was a sex offender and they, as I've said many times before, they purposely played it down because it was a little too risque at that time. And there are people who say, oh yeah, I always knew, I always picked up on it. No, no you didn't, because they never said it. All they said was he was a child killer. That's all they said, in all of them. They always said he brought 
kids to the boiler room to kill them. There was never any any suggestion or hint or anything of sexual activity between these kids and Freddy. It was just all about Freddy killing them. And but with the scene and Tracy's father, played by Peter Spellos. There's, there's no, there's no denying it or questioning exactly what his motives are. It's pretty blatant. And speaking of that scene with Peter Spellos, those in the know will recognize him as Orville Ketchum from Sorority House Massacre 2 and Hard to Die, which which are both listed everywhere everywhere as being released in 1990 now i've said this in the hard to die and sorority house massacre 2 commentaries that i did for b movie bonanza but i think it bears repeating because it has to do with peter spellows who was in both of them but I don't want to go into action pay-per-view again, but action pay-per-view was a like here's there's Peter. Action pay-per-view is kind of like the uh, exploitation, I guess, pay-per-view channel that it would show like Roger Corman movies and Full Moon movies and erotic thrillers like. Everything that basically wasn't a mainstream movie. And they played, or they had, Sorority House 2 and Hard to Die on pay-per-view, on action pay-per-view. And that's how I first saw them. And that was in 1992. Now, I don't know if they were released on video in 1990 and for some reason it, they neglected to put them up on pay-per-view until 92 but i'm positive that i saw both of these in 1992 and i this is how i know this for sure because i had a vhs that I recorded Hard to Die on, and also on that VHS was Candyman. And I recorded Candyman off of pay-per-view as well, and that came out in 92. I just, I, everything I remember about that was 92, because that was when I was in sixth grade. I remember a girl whose name is escaping me. <laughs> Who was also she was in my class she was also a fan of sorority house 2 and i remember telling her about hard to die and its comparison to sorority house 2 all this stuff and 
then when yeah when I saw I yeah no you know what I don't I was gonna say I guess I recognized I guess I recognized Peter Spellos from from this when I saw Sorority House and Hard to Die but I didn't I didn't realize that was him for a while I, I he looked kind of different I don't know what it was but I didn't I didn't realize that was him right away it wasn't like you know 20 years down the line but it did take me a little while to realize that was him and because he is credited as Orville Ketchum in Hard to Die and Sorority House. It says uh, Orville Ketchum as himself. I think I remember looking at the credits for this and being like, what the fuck? It doesn't say Tracy's father was played by Orville Ketchum. This is fucking bullshit. But I also remember seeing him in the movie The Giver around this t that time. He worked pretty regularly for Jim Minorsky and Roger Corman's studios. I hadn't heard, I should, I should IMDB him to see I hope he's okay, but the last I heard about him, and I, t I talked about this on B-Movie Bonanza as well, the last thing I heard about him was probably upwards of 10 years ago, and he was in financial crisis, he wasn't working, he was taking care of his ailing mother she was very very ill and he had if you've seen the movies sorority house massacre 2 and hard to die you know that he wears a red and white flannel shirt in both of them and he had he still had them he had two of them he had one that he wore that was, you know, unscathed and another that he that he wore that uh, for when they squibbed him because he gets shot by the police at the end of Sorority House 2 and he also gets shot and fucked up in part and hard to die but yeah, he was selling I think via eBay or via his Facebook page I don't know but he was selling both of those shirts to try to raise money to help with medical bills, I believe, for his mother. That was a really lengthy... I remember there was a really big gap in between him, Doc giving 
Tracy the medical bandages and her saying thanks. And he could have put them on her. I mean, <laughs> Yes, he is. That's what Freddy does. Now, why would he tell Tracy that? Like, how the fuck does she know how to work this machine? And I have to say, too, I think all of the arsenal, the weapons in the ba in the the basement that the police were quote unquote supposed to dispose of. I think that was a little too convenient. <laughs> All that stuff just happened to be within arm's reach when Maggie and Freddy are doing their final battle. And the stick of dynamite especially. I mean, come on. But... These are. This is a popcorn movie. You really have to suspend disbelief. You don't question it. You just go along for the ride. So now we're into the 3D sequence. I don't know if the blue... I don't think the Blu-ray is in 3d but i remember i remember the dvd had the option and i think i did i think i did watch it maybe once and i don't remember how well it worked I was talking in the Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th commentary about how I couldn't rationalize buying the Scream Factory box set because I already had the, the first box set that came in the tin. If there was a new box set with all the Elm Street movies and new stuff, I think I would buy it. I like, I'm more of an Elm Street, I like, I like the Jason movies, but I'm more of an Elm Street fan than I am a Jason fan. 
when I was little, when she, cause when she threw her bracelet to to short the, the 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 breaker box or whatever the fuck that was, and and cut out the electricity. But when I was little, during the the moment when she touches the the doorknob to see if it'll electrocute her or not, I used to think that she fucked up. I was like, she grabbed the doorknob and then she let go of the doorknob. Then she grabbed the doorknob again. She grabbed the doorknob twice. Why'd she do that? Stupid. That little boy looks nothing like Robert England. Here comes Alice Cooper. Oh. Overacting. Another thing about the commentary, I mean, the comic book, is when they show this moment and Freddy hurls the razor. In the comic book, he he stabs Alice Cooper in the eye with it. In here, he here he doesn't do any. In the movie, he doesn't do anything except propel it forward. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember this was cool in 3D. The bottle being thrown. The Molotov cocktail. A lot of people have issues with the dream demons, too. You gotta... have some kind of... explanation... for... how he became what he became I don't like the line when he says the dream people the one who, the ones who gave me this job oh, this job I thought I always thought that was so cornball and stupid but I don't think he needed to necessarily explain explain anything to Doc You can't help but feel sorry for this little girl because she does look very convincing and I wonder if she was really crying. And there's I don't think that she and Robert are in the same shot together. So I'm wondering if they had to do a lot to get her to that point because she is she is she's very convincing and I hope they didn't fucking dramatize her Now, Freddy has been brought out of dreams before. How come this shit didn't happen then? 
He was brought out of the, the dream in the first one. But, you know, I guess I didn't have the budget. Thing that fucking irks me about. I always thought that was fun. Wait. I like that. <laughs> I like that part when um, Doc tells Tracy to put the knife away. She says it's too small. But um, this is one of many, 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 many things that irk the fuck out of me about Freddy versus Jason and one of the many inconsistencies with Freddy versus Jason during the battle sequence when he is brought out of the dream and he and Jason are are doing you know battle on the dock Freddy starts gushing blood and I guess their rationale there was well he's human he's in the real world um, he's in the real world here, and he gets fucked up. He doesn't, there's not a drop. Nothing. Well, I think he's got some on his face. That's not true. So, but still, I mean, he was like gushing blood in Freddy vs. Jason, and I always hated that. And I always hated that Jason was gushing blood, too, out of his eyes. So stupid. Stupid. Ron Yu was couldn't have been a worse choice to direct that movie, which is kind of strange because I think Bride of Chucky turned out really well. It's one of my favorite sequels in the in the Child's Play franchise. I love Bride of Chucky, but Freddy vs. Jason and uh, no. Now, if he's human, how's he able to walk on the ceiling? Why the hell would Tracy have the key? When Maggie puts the glove on, it fits her a little too perfectly. It like re it really it really fits her, because Maggie's a woman, and woman women have smaller hands. But when she puts it on, it fits her like a glove. <laughs> See what I did there? They should. I wonder if the girl, the girl version of the Freddy glove exists somewhere. That was kind of weird and she bites him on the nose. I always hated the way um, 
he when he says give give me the glove back and she goes never it sounds it looks the look on her face and the and the in the delivery of the line is a, a little too comical it's like they're playing a game but then maybe they are maybe maybe that was intentional maybe that was supposed to be like father and daughter playtime because he says give daddy the glove back it could have been intentional nevertheless I don't like it because this is serious people this is a serious battle between good and evil okay we don't have time for jokes I don't think that Tracy would have been able to get the crossbow under the fence. And you have to know how to throw knives. You can't just, you know, pick one up and throw it expertly. This is something that people train to learn how to do or practice. the crowbar he is pinned to the wall in a very 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 specific way with his hand with one hand to the with one arm to the wall and one arm across his chest and I remember when I used to play Freddy's Dead with my buddy Jason when we were kids and we used to do the scene we used to reenact the scene you had to get it Exactly right. That's it, put it on. Yeah, here it is, and she puts it on, and it fits her a little too perfectly. And plus, I would think that they had to make her a different glove because Robert said that the glove was really heavy and it weighed down his arm. So, I would think that they had to make her a different one. She's sure taking her sweet time with a lit stick of dynamite. Freddy Shrapnel. I remember during this, well, I think I did the same thing because I did see the original in uh, on the big screen when it had its 20th anniversary. And after the movie, they had Freddy's Best Kills, which I think is a special feature on the on the. It, I know it was on the DVD, but it might have been on the. It might be on the Blu-ray as well. But I remember watching it. And just like watching this montage here 
and thinking to myself, oh, this is so cool. It's like watching all of the Elm Street movies on the big screen because I never got to do that. The only ones that I saw on the big screen were this one and New Nightmare and I guess, if you want to count it, Freddy vs. Jason. But, yeah, that was Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. I, still, I think it holds up. I think it holds up better than Part 5. Because Part 5 I was kind of struggling with, and there was definitely some lagging, some lulls, and some eh moments. But it's not a perfect movie, but I, th I still think it's fun. And I don't think it deserves all of the shit that it gets. But if you stayed here to the bitter end, you must like it as well. So I want to say thank you for staying with me. And I hope you enjoyed the commentary. And I hope you'll come back for more. So until next time. This is Brandon Ford wishing you unpleasant dreams.